spoilers. We got plenty of spoilers coming up on this episode, and probably every episode we ever talk about. If we're going to talk about a movie, we are going to what, Derek? Spoil the poop poop out of it. So if you haven't seen the movies or TV shows we're about to talk about or mention, you might want to tune out and then tune back in once you're all caught up to speed. Right. So with that said, on with the transmission. (laughs) Yeah. Transmission beginning, and uh, well, come on in, listener. Come on in, sit down, get comfortable as we welcome you. Yeah, welcome there. Hiya, my name is Tim. Yes, sir, and I am Derek. And we thank you out there for tuning in to this very special show where Tim has promised to be the funniest he's ever been on any other show. Oh, ever. no. <laughs> Pressure. Pressure. But no, uh, it'll be funny because we're going to be talking about something that's good, yeah, but bad. Bad. So if you follow our feed, then you'll realize that we doted on and made love to in words <laughs> yeah. a, a little film called John Carpenter's The Thing right. from 1982 and the effects in that and how great they were and how... They they were a big part of the success of that film. The practical effects for all you young kids out there that don't know what that is. Yeah, grow up. It's where they do it with hard makeup and rubber, foam rubber, and not computer generated. That's right. Yeah, they use rubbers, kids. Remember that. (laughs) Right. Yeah, so we doted on that. So now we we decided to do the opposite. Mm Mm-hmm. There's got to be a yin and yang to this world. Yes. And uh, we found some big yangs out there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So when practical effects go wrong is what Mm. we're going to talk about. We're going to, in contrast to the the Thing episode, we're going to talk about some movies that had some shitty ass practical practical effects. Right. And so just to be clear, there are a lot of lists of something like this out there of uh, people kind of, in my opinion, nitpicking on certain movies that have some good stuff in it and then and it kind of intermingles with some bad stuff. We're not going to pick on those so much. Mm-hmm. So some people mention stuff like there's some iffy stuff in like The Terminator and stuff like that. We've decided to kind of stick to movies that we feel have more bad effects in it or all bad effects in it throughout the film instead of nitpicking bad ones in good films. Yeah, right. Plus, I mean, most directors out there don't have the time and or money in the budget to go back and George Lucas that shit if it's bad. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, just so yeah. you know. <laughs> these are also our opinions, too, because who knows? Right. Maybe there's people out here who think these effects are good, but I don't know. Yeah, there might be. I mean, I'm sure there is, because the, some of these movies are looked upon in fond memories. And I do have fond memories still of the ones that we're going to mention. There's mm-hmm. creativeness in there just unfortunately <laughs> budget wasn't up to par or... yeah and I feel like sometimes if a movie is kind of just 
tongue-in-cheek and poking fun of it itself and the, the, the effects are bad you, it's almost right. enjoyable that way right yeah it gives them kind of carte blanche to be like ah, it's okay if it's a little bad kind of yeah. like how we enjoy some of the the giant monster movies that are hokey and they yeah. don't look great but you still get into the rhythm of them right right zing bang bingo Superhero born out of nuclear waste. Holy shit! And we're gonna p start with um, 1984's The Toxic Avenger. Ooh, I prefer the cartoon show. <laughs> Toxic yeah, and and this is kind of a prime example of one of those movies that's made with a really low budget, and it is. A joke. Of course. The movie's a joke. It's making fun of itself. The topic is stupid. Right. The characters are like way over the top. And and one thing, one thing for sure that we should say right off the bat mm -hmm. is a lot of these movies, but especially this one, is extremely non-PC. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> especially in the opening. Yeah. The first scene when all we're... throughout. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> They're dropping the R word all through it. Yeah. And, uh, it's a little racially Yeah, kind there's of. some ethnic slurs yeah. in this movie and all that stuff. It's it's a different time, boys and girls. It's from a different time. I think one of the reasons that trauma has lasted is that we do what you're not supposed to do. My partner and I happened to be looking through the trade papers, and uh, there was a variety. One of the headlines said, horror films no longer commercial. They're no good. Blah, blah, blah. That's our hit. We're going to make a horror film. So that's, again, it took about a year before I could get a project that I could really get behind uh, or that had enough behinds in it. And um, it, it turned out to be the Toxic Avenger. So if you can get past that, if you're going to watch it for yourself to see how bad this is. But um, short premise, it's this nerdy guy who works at a gym and he's regulars at the gym the guys and girls that are kind of bullying. he's a custodian too that's important to mention because he loves mops so yeah that's important the, yeah then that's right the nerdy the nerdy guy is uh the janitor of the gym and he's a real skinny scrawny little guy and then the jocks basically are picking on him and then particular one particular day a, a truckload of <laughs> toxic radiation you know or toxic waste with in barrels with no lids on them on an open truck with <laughs> that aren't tied down to the truck right the truck happens to stop in front of the gym and the kids being after being taunted by one of the women and told you know like she was flaunting that she was going to have sex with him and and uh told him to put on this like a uh, little Spandexy tutu <laughs> thing and ah, it's so dark in here. Where are you? I can't see you. Right here, Melvin. Come here. She's surprised. Turns the lights on. Everybody's laughing at him, and he ends up running out the window and landing in one of the open barrels of right. toxic waste. And then he transforms. You know, obviously his face is hugely deformed, and but he ends up being really buff and having this deep masculine voice and all this stuff. And he becomes kind of a, a vigilante right. superhero kind of boy thing. Yeah, that's right. basically the whole thing. Don't worry. Don't worry. I won't hurt you. I don't know what came over me. I just couldn't control myself. You know, people are getting mutilated and killed throughout the whole thing, even before this happens. He's ripping too. off arms, and he's ripping yeah. out eyes, and... 
Well, there's that whole thing, too, where they're kind of doing the bullies, the ones that taunt him into the right. toxic waste. They have like this whole Death Race 2000. Right. Where they're kind of making points for killing people with the car. And there's a scene where this little kid gets his head squashed by the Camaro and all right. that stuff. And it's it's pretty graphic, but it's also really, really poorly done. And I think that, that you know, that yeah. I, 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 I haven't looked up a whole lot of notes on the making of this thing. But one is from Troma, which is a well-known, especially back then, mm-hmm. was a well-known company for doing cheap, really... Uh, sensationalized kind of over the top uh, scandalous stuff a lot, a lot of sex comedies and mm-hmm. it, women showing their tits all over the place and right. all that stuff so you know when they got into this it, one you knew that they weren't going to have the money to do big effects and two I don't think they wanted to they wanted they were able to go kind of graphic and do gross stuff with their effects and I think it lessens it that it's not <laughs> that doesn't look so good you know you can yeah, you can kind of yeah. tell that whatever's on the craft table is oozing out of that fake head <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah and the modeling you know the head modeling that where they do the quick flash and then yeah, you know it's not cut. the person anymore yeah. it's the cut where, yeah and it's the the model that's about you can tell it's a big fake face right or whatever. There is one effect in there, though, like when he first, when Toxie first comes into the gym and starts killing people. Yeah. The weights. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that one always stuck with me. Yep, and me it, too. It, it's this fat guy that's on one of those, like, uh, racked weights where you stick the pin in the plate. Yep. And then when you pick it up, you know, there's the big pointed bar that the pin goes into. Right. And uh, he sticks his head underneath the, it's like a bench press version sticks his head underneath there and drops the weights on it and yep. that bar and goes through his head and then of course the weights uh, you know s- destroy the guy's head yeah yeah i remember that one too from from first scene i haven't this is one of those ones that played on cable a lot and i saw it yeah back, way back yeah. in the you know li- probably late 80s yeah and i remember it playing on uh certain uh, the trailers for it playing on pay-per-view channels and stuff and thinking like ooh that looks cool and it's easy to see why viewers choice is a favorite choice for hit movies and special events I re- yeah I, th- I saw it in high school like my freshman year in high school which would have been like 1987 or no 88 i think right and um I remember thinking it was great. <laughs> yeah, I did too. <laughs> yeah. I remember really digging it. Right. And, you know, so they're doing stuff like there's a main bad guy that's kind of a heavy set guy, and he ends up getting his guts pulled out of his stomach oh, by the yeah, end. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like the mayor, corrupt mayor yeah. of the town. Yeah, they do stuff like that. They do uh, the, this. He foils like a robbery at a burger place, and mm-hmm. they're accosting some young lady. And yeah, that becomes his girlfriend. Yeah, right. She's, she's, she's blind. blind, right. Yeah, right. And so because she's blind, she can't see how deformed Toxie is. Right. So they're definitely playing up. They're they're mixing a bunch of genres, and they're trying to, okay, he can be a superhero, too. And mm-hmm. he's also a horror movie where the monster's coming back to avenge people mm-hmm. who have wronged him before their death or killed them or responsible for their, his death or whatever. So it does all that stuff. And uh, he's, of course, horribly disfigured. Uh, whoever is the buff guy that ends up playing Toxie has to wear this this prosthetic <laughs> like head head that, basically yeah yeah because one eye is way down and I'm way down and all deformed looking you could tell it's very fake looking and stuff and it's you know I mean 
you know, he's out in the daylight a lot, and when they do a lot of those daylight shots, mm -hmm. the makeup, you can definitely see the seams of where the makeup goes yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, and the one eye is obviously right. very painted onto the, you know. Right, yeah. But <laughs> they do a lot of stuff with, like, uh, gratuitous gore, and I guess they flash it enough that it isn't, you know, they don't keep on it too long to right. where you can kind of see the flaws really bad but it's it's still bad enough that when you when you see the flaws i mean when it happens you can see how fake it is right i'm, I'm betting that's one budget things too they're picking people who are will do effects for the cheapest they possibly can and three it's probably an intentional thing too because if it looks too real then it's a different movie mm-hmm and they want people to have fun with it and mm -hmm. go along with it. Everyone's in on the joke while they're watching and stuff. So, you know, you you can definitely point out the flaws in it, but at the same time, it's uh, there. And I think that they they kind of wear the flaws on their their shoulder. <laughs> you know how there's a subgenre of films that are intended to gross you out, right? They're in the horror genre, but they're not really horror films. They're just right. really gross, like with lots of like toilet stuff, and mm -hmm. yeah. it's almost like created a subgenre, I should say. Oh yeah, totally. And uh, well, one of the things that you should re need to talk about is the trauma. The company that made Toxic Avenger mm -hmm. is really starting to follow or steal, I guess, the template of how to make movies like Roger Corman did, except Roger Corman's stuff looks high budget compared to this. <laughs> yeah, right. They're uh, uh, taking that formula mm -hmm. and making it their own by throwing more tits in it and throwing more, <laughs> yeah. you know, like over-the-top overt violence and shit like that. Yeah, I think purposefully being offensive in every way right. possible. Yeah, Because they want to stand out. How are you going to stand out in a right. bunch of movies with giant budgets? Yeah. You do cheap, exploitive shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you hope you offend enough people to for they'll write up a, a story about it somewhere where people will be like so offended that they'll tell people not to see it which in, in turn makes people go "Ooh, i want to seek this out and watch it yeah and so like i said i had watched it in the 80s like you were saying but i rewatched it for this uh to, in preparation for this episode and um right me too it's obviously terrible. You know, there's right. like really <laughs> bad continuity issues and right, right. Uh, stuff just doesn't line up story-wise. That's the kind of shit when you're younger, you don't, you, especially on first yeah. viewing when you're younger, you're just kind of taking in the the tits and the uh, gore. Right. You know what I mean? You're not really paying attention to plot, you know? <laughs> no, no. But it's it's a... It's a it's a mess right. from beginning to end. Yeah. yeah. And, well, and here's the weird part is the first one came out and did well. And so after that, they had like four sequels, mm -hmm. a cartoon show yeah. that spawned like uh, toys. Right. And then since the early 2000s, I believe they've been trying to remake it. Almost got it remade with Arnold Schwarzenegger in some part of it. And then have got it remade with Peter Dinklage starring in it. And I think it comes out like in 2022 or 2023. It's weird. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean. The thing that's weird to me is it's to have it remade today in today's climate, you can't make it. You have to do everything you can to not make it like the original. Yeah. Because it's way too offensive. Right. And so if you're going to remake it and not do it like that, then what's the point? <laughs> yeah. What's the point of the remake? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. It's kind of like what we talked about with the RoboCop remake with right. making it pre-G13 and it just loses its all of its yeah, bite. Haunted, yeah, totally. So yeah, this to me just feels like there's a company that has the rights to the original movie and says, hey, let's remake it because it's a name of something right. that people know. Yeah. You know? It's a waste of time. 
And the next time you're in danger or in need of help, look to the horizon and maybe, just maybe, the Toxic Avenger will be there. So, let me ask you this. Do you believe that there is a genre of movies that uh, does not lend itself well to uh, using bad effects? Well, probably anything that's not tongue-in-cheek, you know what I mean? So, like, if it's violent crime films or something like that, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, you got your cheesy, you know, action-y like, horror films like this is trying to be with a little bit of comedy. And you can kind of forgive it and look a, look aside from it because of how zany the plot is and stuff like yeah. that. You know, and then there's those horror movies, too, that skirt on those same kind of edges. And mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of you, you, you're able to give a pass to the, some of those things for it. But, yeah, when you get into something that's like, you know, it's from a reputable company that has a yeah. decent budget and then you watch it and you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, I feel like uh, can't really let that slip as much. And then a- action somewhere in between that. You right. know what I mean? Like, sure. uh, yeah, you can get away with some of it if it's a Van Damme movie or. Right. Or, uh, Steven Seagal or something, you know, because you're expecting a lower class <laughs> right. from that shit. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, unless you're talking about Stallone and and uh, Arnie, and then you're gonna be like, okay, you need to show me, you need to bring it. Yeah, you right. guys got budgets, right? Let off some steam, Bennett. We mosey on up from '84 to '85, just a year later. Mm-hmm. We got the Reanimator. Yeah. You killed him. No, I did not. I gave him life. Which is a... Beloved. It's it's beloved, and it's similar, but a little more... Taken with a little more care than Toxic Avenger, but it is meant to be a gross-out film. Yeah. Did you rewatch it? I rewatched it. I watched parts of it. I I rewatched the whole film, and it's definitely treating the audience like it's in on the joke of the movie mm-hmm. you know what i mean because yeah. it's playing it kind of right. like kind of like evil deadish kind of yeah exactly. you know, humor well hello mr fancy pants but the difference is is the characters in the movie are treating it with the utmost um, seriousness <laughs> right and so right. those kind of clash a little bit and then right. when you have that kind of mentality and then you have kind of weird or not so great effects on top of it it becomes one, it can become a disaster, or two, it can become beloved because it's so weird and zany and out there and tongue-in-cheekish. It is really quite simple. All life is a physical and chemical process, correct? It stands to reason, then, that if one could obtain extremely fresh specimens and recharge that chemical process, bang, we have reanimation. The theory is not new, Wes. But my reagent is. Yeah, and it's it's an adaptation of... a. Uh, uh... H.P. Lovecraft story, but I don't. I, it just. Yeah, it goes off on it its own. It just kind of. <laughs> yeah, it goes off on its own for sure. <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of like a Frankensteinish type thing where this serum is made that can reanimate the dead no matter how far gone it is. Again, there is some troublesome prosthetics involved in the movie that yeah, kind of yeah. are laughable and stuff like that. But at the same time, I think the director's smart enough to, to lend that kind of wink at the audience to let you know that come on don't take this too seriously kind of thing. right right you know the, the one doctor that the student kind of befriends or whatever right. yeah uh and ends up losing his head yeah there, there's like some transition scenes with the head you know where it's 
fake and then he puts it down and yeah. then it's a guy's head sticking out of a table you know the actor sticking his head out of it's just there's this really bad transition yeah for, you know, no totally there's a jarring cut that you can kind of be like whoa okay yeah okay. i wonder yeah, if that's right. real now or not <laughs> <laughs> yeah right uh, stuff like that it's pretty funny though um the, probably the most uh, important face in this is um, Jeffrey Combs is the kind of the main actor who plays this, uh, you know, guy who has the serum bringing everybody back to that. I only recently saw this movie for the first time maybe a year and a half ago. I had never seen it before. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, but the, um, you know, like I said, it's pretty, it has a lore to it. Yeah. And that poster's pretty famous kind of thing. And that guy's face is synonymous with the re yep. reanimator and uh the horror circuit that guy does a ton of, of yeah. stuff he, he's really beloved in the horror community and stuff and the character is uh a dr herbert west and right. you know he wears those kind of square 80s kind of more <laughs> 70s kind of glasses and right overly very, pale <laughs> yeah overly pale and he's like very like super serious and yeah just has he has a certain look about him yeah and, and and way of being you know yeah totally well he walked in and it was he was herbert west i mean he really was it was funny because in lovecraft's story west is described as having blonde hair and blue eyes and being very clean cut looking and jeffrey doesn't really look like that at all although he does have this kind of childlike quality that's that i think is similar to lovecraft's west uh but uh he had that incredible intensity once you watched him do a few scenes you tie him to the movie pretty much you know of course will you give me a hand here now he interrupted an important experiment in progress but granted it was an accident but this is the freshest body that we could come across save of killing one ourselves and every moment that we spent talking about it cost us results now will you give me a hand there was a sequel too that i saw um there's a few <laughs> yeah i'm sure there's a few yeah i know the number two was something to do with sort of you know trying to make a bride as bride. the bride of the reanimator is what it yeah. was and and uh, there's a, some woman gets converted at the end and right. it's pretty scandalous where she's like got no skin or something like that and you can right. see her tits and all that stuff but right it's pretty it's you know so they're like amping up the the bad prosthetic effects in that one of course and the fake blood. Jeffrey Combs is is just one of those faces that even if you haven't really seen that movie, you've probably seen him in something or in yeah. else. He's just kind of all over the place. He kind of reminds me of that nerdy guy you knew in high school. You know, <laughs> right. like you know that kind of defiantly angry nerd that got picked on a lot. That's <laughs> right. what this guy reminds me of—the one that <laughs> yeah. kind of had a little bit of a snarky attitude. Right. Yeah, for sure. I could totally see that. Yeah. Right. Herbert, you're insane. Now what happened? I had to kill. He's dead? Not anymore. No. Herbert! This has gotta stop! Look, he tried to blackmail me, Dan. No, it doesn't And he wanted you to disappear. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the movie. It's not one of my favorite horror movies at all, but it's definitely playful. And mm -hmm. I kind of got into it while rewatching it again, as far as um, yeah. uh, the beats of the movie and kind of seeing where it was going and the creativeness of what they were doing. Again, this is one that I think that they realized we don't have the budget to do what we want to show really well so mm -hmm. we'll do what we can and then we'll hope for the best you know and so you know the more they play up this stuff the 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 more fun you'll have with it but it's definitely you won't ever look at the film and be like wow those are great effects <laughs> yeah that does not pull me out of the film at all <laughs> the only good the good effect they have is the serum itself is is the same fluid that they use in glow sticks yeah so right. it does have a a very bright glowy 
toxic look to it, you know. <laughs> right. He would be the go-to guy at any rave you'd have these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When it comes to a movie like this, Derek, what, you think it's in the hands of the director? Like, if there was a better director involved, that this movie could be risen a little bit? Or is it just kind of screwed because of the low budget? Um, you know, I think that it's a kind of a yes and no on this particular one. Like, Stuart mm-hmm. Gordon is the director of this particular movie. he And he's gone on to be kind of uh, synonymous with, like... Um, movies like this he did robot jocks i don't know if you'd ever Mm -hmm. followed that whole thing the ultimate killing machines i'm gonna get in this thing and i'm gonna kick your robot jocks and he, he was responsible for that. I think he wrote, like, one of the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movies and stuff like that. So he's been in the business for quite a while, and he's a very inventive director. So I think no one was going to make this thing like he did and make it acceptable to where it is like a beloved horror movie for a lot of people. I don't, I think he was the right guy for the job. You get other people on, on certain movies that just— I think certain directors, no matter who it is, can't fix, yeah. you know, bad story problems or effects that won't match, bring your story up to the level that you're wanting it. And if you have to continually drop levels of intelligence to get past bad effects or bad right. story plot or something like that, it's hard for any director, I think, to get past that. No, and I think the budget is playing a lot because of, it also has to do with the quality of actors you're getting and... Mm-hmm like we're talking about the effects and all that stuff and 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 a director in order to raise this up they're still gonna have to be able to inject levity because it's such an outlandish concept oh for sure yeah right yeah especially like when you even look back at the old classic universal horror movies and stuff like that you can see that frankenstein Mm -hmm. uh, the original boris karloff one that Mm -hmm. one takes itself way more seriously than when you get to the bride of frankenstein where it's kind of it's got a little bit of a winky thing right yeah that's where it doesn't take itself too seriously yeah now tell me who are you? I don't understand. Can you not speak? It's strange. Because, like, you look at even Dracula from Bela Lugosi. That movie mm-hmm. takes itself a dead serious, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So different directors. And, again, like, exactly like you said, like, you get a good enough actor that can sell the most outlandish shit. Right. It's going to be good. Like we talked about in even The Thing. You got all those actors. If one of them is off on selling how scary that moment is or the paranoia or something like that, it's mm-hmm. not going to work. No. So here's the gist. You want to talk to us? You want comments? You want reviews? All this horse shit? How could they not, really? Instagram and Facebook, we are mm. at TFTFP Podcast. If you want to tweet us or twit us or whatever it is out there, yeah, you just have to go podcast TFTFP. Yeah, because the other one was taken. Yeah. And <laughs> send us a gosh 
darn glorious little email. No dick pics, please. Uh, uh, Tim, at, don't, uh, don't tell him what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Care of Derek. No, the oh. email The email address is uh, tftfppodcast at gmail.com. Glorious. Like, subscribe, <laughs> and review us. And make it positive. Right. I mean, you can be negative about other things. Just don't mention us with the negativity. We're, we're delicate over here. I got a thin skin. All right, so let's uh, let's jump back a few years. Whoa! Yeah, and we're gonna go back to 1982 with Swamp Thing. Ooh, we're in my territory now. DC character. <laughs> Government agents, scientists, monsters, and midgets. None of them belong in this swamp. Only one thing does: the Swamp Thing. This movie was yeah. probably one of the reasons why I was so excited when I saw the trailer for Toxic Avenger because it was it's similar vibes. Yeah, it definitely yeah, it's not, it's definitely on the same budget level. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kind of came familiar with it through HBO as a kid in the early, uh, early '80s. But I guess it would be '83-ish, you know, like a year after, or maybe maybe it was out so fast it was six months later. It could have right. still been '82. But um, and Adrian Barbeau, uh, you know, well, you know, God bless her. Yeah, you know, yeah. Loved her back then with all right, that Oshkosh right. and her bagosh. <laughs> right. If I remember correctly, uh, I think the agency sent the script for Swamp Thing over and, and said it was an offer. Um, and I read it. I, I wasn't familiar with Wes Craven, never having seen The Hills Have Eyes or Last House on the Left, but I was married to John Carpenter at the time, and John was a huge fan of Wes's and said, oh, you've, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. And I barely remember it from when I was a kid, so I didn't rewatch it for this. I just watched a series of like uh, three to four minute clips of right. different action parts and where the or where I could see the effects and stuff like that and right just kind of shake my head in disbelief <laughs> at how bad they are right <laughs> yeah no for sure I mean you got to look at it from the time that it came out and this movie was supposed to be a big budget entry <laughs> into the uh, yeah. arena of filmmaking for Wes Craven who had come off of a few indie horror films. Right. This is pre Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that would come like two years later or something like yeah. that. And even that's not a giant budget. But so this no. was something that he was going into. I mean, this is 82. Now mm-hmm. you're coming a, a, like a year and a half off of Superman 2 mm-hmm. and then Superman. So these are comic book movies that are huge, blew up. I mean, pretty much we're where we are today in comic book movies because yeah. Superman laid that road back down there, right. Richard Donner and all of them back in 78. So uh, if someone comes up to you and you're an indie director and you want to break into the movie business, Superman's a big thing. Everyone's talking about all that stuff. And then they say, hey, we got a DC character. You want to direct a film? You're going to be like, fuck yeah, give it to me. You know. <laughs> so he takes that and then it ends up being Swamp Thing. Yeah. Okay, it's already something that people are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and the comic book is kind of goofy. It gets darker as time goes on and everything like that. But he, the, you know, what he has to work with here is they give him this movie 
and then they don't give him a budget for all of these outlandish shit that has to happen to make it whatever believable it's gotta be. You need to heal. You need to tell our story. I'll see you soon. So, I mean, there is a commentary out there of him talking about this where he was just like, this looks like shit because I didn't have the money to make it look good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, like, if we get into it, so the swamp thing, you know, once the guy is turned or whatever, uh, he has this, you know, green skin with moss and kind of twiggies looking things going on and a very distinctive face. And yeah, I, th- I feel like they do get the shape of the face kind of oh. good. You yeah, know, it's it good. Looks, it looks right. The problem is there's no articulation in the lips and the face, right? Right. So when the the actor is talking a Swamp Thing and the mouth is moving, you can... It doesn't move because it's so stiff. The, the it's like it's like it just the 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 hole in his face just kind of opens a little bit, and then right. behind the stiff part that stuck to his face to look like his lips, you can see the actual actor's lips like moving around separately from the wooden planks on his face. It, right. That's part of it. And the other part is too. It's it's a it's a full like a fitted rubber suit, almost Godzilla style. Yeah. So when he's walking around and shit like what's supposed to be his skin is folding and creasing and yeah. like certain places in his back and over around his shoulders and stuff like that and around his butt and stuff right and it looks like you're wearing a wetsuit that doesn't fit you yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that's exactly what it looks like it's hilarious <laughs> so bad but um at one point when i saw this i didn't remember this at all when i was a kid but I, when i was watching clips on youtube i see this thing you know where it's a creature holding a sword or whatever yeah the big so, baddie that he fights at the end yeah right and i so i watch it you know and the thumbnail turns into a large screen and i go oh, oh my <laughs> god and i don't know if i like i said i didn't watch it so i don't know if this is supposed to be a werewolf but it looks like a werewolf that didn't go well you know right it's basically this big giant paper mache head right of a wolf looking face yeah it looks like peach fuzz <laughs> yeah peach fuzz from creep that peach fuzz mask look way better than this because it has like two very again painted on eyes that are pointing you know that aren't stereoscopic <laughs> yeah. you know one's right. pointing to the left and one's pointing to the right and <laughs> right. the mouth is kind of stuck open in this snarling position and uh I think the dude had kind of like this busting built up chest too, right? right. Where it's like coming yeah. out of a shirt that he's wearing and he's, right. for whatever reason, he's carrying a sword, like a right. 15th century knight in shining armor type sword and he's fighting, he starts fighting, he, well, he stabs Adrian Barbeau in the tit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Nice little he, shot there. Thanks, Wes. Yeah, right. R.I.P. But yeah, I mean. It's definitely, you can kind of see, yeah, because I did, I rewatched it for this and everything. And there, you know, I, I think out of nostalgia, I was kind of having fun with just how goofy everything was yeah, and right. stuff like that. Um, but <laughs> there's uh, there's parts in the movie where it's it hits these certain strides, and you can definitely feel like Wes is is in with it like mm-hmm. i'm with this movie i'm telling this story kind of right thing. and then you can kind of just feel like when he's like fuck this i can't wait for it to be over because <laughs> it's, just, it's the blandest shot composition and everything so you can tell he just knew like once you see those effects coming back and how well we don't have the budget to make these look any better than you know something that we just bought at like Woolworth, mm-hmm. then it's gonna be <laughs> 
that's it you know and so that's definitely again this is one of those those situations where he had to know that if you want me to tell this story this outlandish story with this silly script, then I have to have at least the budget to pull off the effects that I need to make this silly script not be ridiculously silly because it looks bad. Yeah. And so what's the point yeah. if you don't have the budget? It's bad. Yeah, the makeup effects are tragic. Yeah, and there's, and it's not really a gory movie either, so you can't explore, you know, like have fun with it as far as... Um, in Toxic Avenger where you're just kind of like, oh, look at that dude get his face torn mm -hmm. off kind of stuff. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. it really... It's tonally all over the place, too. Right, exactly. And, yeah. You know, it's just all over the place. Right. And the best special effects the movie has is Adrienne Barbeau and her voluptuous loveliness. <laughs> but, yeah, right. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that a movie with bad effects can endear you to that movie? In some cases, I mean? Yes, Okay. Yes, but, and I think that goes back, like I was just saying, to Reanimator or Toxic Avenger and stuff like that, where, you know, they're not my favorite films by any means, and I'll probably never watch them again, but right. it helps you have fun with the journey, especially if it's gore, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. And that was some of the ones we're going to get into, uh, the next one we're going to get into is a perfect example <laughs> of, uh, just help. It just helps right. carry it through because it, like what I just said about Swamp Thing, they're so bad. You're just staring at it the whole time going, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no sense of right. joy to it. You're just, oh God. Right. Mostly that werewolf character. Swamp Thing isn't that bad. He's okay, right. but you know, the, right. the creases and folds are pretty funny though. Right. No, no, totally. <laughs> Totally, yeah, and then and and this next movie we're talking about is in the same year that we get Swamp Thing. Yeah, it is right. Probably for a considerably less budget than Swamp Thing too. It was, yeah. Beware the wrath of Swamp Thing. Oh, yeah, we're talking about Basket Case. It also came right. out in 1982. What's in the basket? Easter eggs. What's in the basket? What's in the basket? What's in the basket? Open it, if you dare. Basket case. Basket case is an interesting story. It's like uh, it's about these um, conjoined twins, but one of them is severely deformed, so deformed to the fact that it can't be played by a person. It's it's right. yeah. It's basically a lump with a head and two just jointed arms coming out of it. Right. Uh, looks like silly putty with a face and arms. Right. Right. Yeah. It looks like a squashed octopus. <laughs> <laughs> Our mother died giving birth to us. He was attached to my right side. They wouldn't let us go to school or anything. They kept us hidden. We were the big family secret. Everybody hated us except our aunt. See, he likes dark. He doesn't like to be seen, not even by me sometimes. And you know what else? He talks to me up here without words. I just hear him whispering in my brain. Sometimes he talks for hours and won't shut up. Dwayne and Belial, and Belial is the disfigured, angry one, and uh, Belial has this thing about losing his shit, screaming in this really synthed out, synthetic, uh, magnified scream, and uh, he tears oh, people's faces. man. Stuff like that, yeah. And it's a really low budget. I think it was something like $30,000 is what they 
made right. this movie with. And, it looks um, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some, there's some scenes where when Belial is do c- comes out of the basket right. basically and he's moving around. It's stop, stop motion. motion and and from what I've seen about the backstory is the director couldn't afford anybody to do it so he did the stop motion himself right it's really spaced out you know it it needed several more frames of movement in between to kind of make it more fluid right to to make it a little more tauntaun or at 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 than than it it is it's kind of choppy movement but here's the thing here's the thing is that he didn't have anyone to do it so he did it himself and yeah it definitely look i mean you're not gonna look at that and go like wow that's a real living creature but mm-hmm. <laughs> just him deciding I'm going to do that myself and whatever, I guess it'll look as good as it can. The movie ends up become being endeared to a lot of people. I yeah. mean, it wasn't one of my films, but no. Yeah. Well, so this, well, the way I came across, I actually came across the sequel first and it was one of those, sometimes my sister and I, when, when I was in my late teens and she was in her mid twenties, we would kind of hang out and, um, watch bad movies and that's when we saw night of the lepus and all that kind right. of stuff and <laughs> and somehow i think we rented this we just thought this looks terrible right. we've got to watch this so we rented basket case too that's no way for a reporter to behave he wants to grant you an interview a personal interview his very first he's all excited basket case two and um, he had a much bigger budget on Basket Case too, right? Uh, but it's still terrible, and and it and it's outlandish, and it gets ridiculous. And there's this whole like thing where he gets invited to uh, into this house of freaks kind of thing to to li- so where Belial can be amongst other people like himself, and maybe right. that'll help calm him down and not be so angry, right? And I watched a few things about the backstory on these movies when they they talk to the special effects guy who uh-huh. makes the stuff and it's it's not well done so right whatever but at the same time the deform the <laughs> the, <laughs> the director specifically asked for outlandish unrealistic deformities because he didn't want it to be mean or Right. Take advantage or, or harp on the people with real disfigurements. Right. Which I think that's a noble thing. Oh, so totally. when we're seeing these this band of people that live in this house, these uh, disfigured people, it it's exaggerated to the hilt. There's like a right. a guy with like twenty noses on his head. Right. And and there's this other dude with these fanned out teeth that stick out like three feet at one point and oh, uh, wow. there's a crescent moon head guy that oh. doesn't make any sense at all but you right. know what I mean obviously anatomically impossible <laughs> and right. uh right also not very well constructed and stuff you know mm-hmm. but but you know I mean it's cool that the director one was sensitive to uh the uh, offense that might be taken by the people with any kind of disability or something like that. So that's really cool. Um, yeah. But it's also cool that he understood 
what made the first film unique and that was that it was absurd and over the top and you had to capture the balance of the absurdness and then the horror aspect of it too and he got creative with it and with this one he went more outlandish to kind of balance the horror and absurdity and that's neat right i mean the director acknowledging basically that he knows that the first one was outlandish and wouldn't have probably worked and became a culty hit without the low budget creativeness that he did mm-hmm. which was great yeah but uh even has a bigger budget in this he's still playing with absurdity more to mingle with the horror there's definitely right and like i said it is it, i think it was more over a million dollars for this budget right. but um and and there like like I was saying earlier, there's a big improvement in the Belial character. They don't have to do the stop motion scenes anymore and all that right. stuff. And there, there's even a f- scene or two where I think there's a real face in there at certain points. But most of the times, it's not a real face. It's like uh, animatronic eyes and and like right. lips and mouth and all that stuff. And the funny, the, the weirdest part of all is towards the end of the movie, the, it is revealed that she has uh, this woman who houses these people. Um, has a, another a female version of Belial and they end up having there's a like a legit sex scene between them <laughs> where they're, they're you know like fucking <laughs> you know what I mean and, and it's bananas it's absolutely bananas and then there's there's a third one they put out a year later because there's there's a 10 almost a 10 year span or nine year span between basket case one and basket case two and then he jumped immediately into the third Third one one. and and tried to make even more of a comedy about it then you know it's got a lot of really bad jokes and jeez this is gonna be some family and of course, the girl, the female Belial, what I don't remember what her name is, but um, she's pregnant, you know, swelled up. And there's like it's just creepy because there's there definitely is a real girl's face in there right. in this particular thing, and you can see it moving around, and it's it's disturbing. And but she ha- she ends up having like uh, I think something like twelve little tiny Belial babies, <laughs> and. Uh, that's right after she four. gives, yeah, right. No, right after she gives birth, like someone, this cop or rogue cop comes in and sh- blasts her with a shotgun. And it, you know, it's it's kind of disturbing. But I do, as far as what I could p- gather, the third one is not w- very well received. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whereas the first two are actually they have a pretty decent cult following. A culty. To them. Yeah. yeah, I didn't watch the whole movie for this. I did watch little snippets of the first movie, mm-hmm. and yeah, like I say, you know, you get into those situations where he's doing stop motion with the because the you know the the creature in it is definitely one of those things that's really highly stylized design kind of you know H.P. Lovecraft kind of monster mm-hmm. that you would imagine and stuff like that, and so uh, it's not big either. It's only no. you know. It's like shoulders, arms, and a head, you know? Right. But su- supposedly there's a whole body in there somewhere so they can eat, right. drink, and shit, you know? Right. And so it's it's definitely one of those things, though, that, that you, know, you definitely look at it and admire him for, hey, you know what? I have this much money. I have a camera. What can I do to mm-hmm. get something that maybe will sell? So right. that's always cool. Well, and what's interesting, too, about the first one, the first movie, is it's filmed in the heart of Manhattan in 1982 when Manhattan was not a nice place to be. Yeah, you're right. 
and uh, you get to kind of see a lot of the because they they don't have permits for any of this stuff, right? And no, they're, they're just shooting on a fly, yeah. They're r- r- rogue fi- shooting, right? And the, the people in the background are bananas, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like kind of like you kind of get a taste for old New York when you watch it, right? Yeah. I love stuff like that, though. A, yeah. lot of, a lot of old horror movies that were shot there, you get to see stuff like that where you're just like, look at that. You know, look at all the porn shops in the back there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Times Square. That's where they're walking through is Times Square, where the, all of the porno places are. And, and if you go to Times Square now, it's like, yeah. it's it's like, like Disneyland. Disney, 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 <laughs> Disney. When back then it was like cock-sucking tits. Cocks, boots, yeah, right. Ass. Yeah, it's totally changed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, completely. So do you think... If the story's terrible, does it make the uh, bad effects stand out even more? In a way, I think so. And the reason why is, is if your intention is not being held by the story, at least, you're mm-hmm. going to start looking for other things to keep your attention. Yeah. And that's when you start visually start, you know, your the, the, the visceralness of the movie starts to jump out more at you. So if it's bad and a bad script, it's shit on top of poop poop. Right, right, right. And you just lose interest. Yeah, right. Right. And speaking of... <laughs> yeah, yeah. This next one it probably fits into that category. Hi, kids. It's me, Ronald McDonald. And I'm on the set of my very first motion picture ever. It's a movie called Mac and Me. Um, we're going to talk about 1988's Mac and Me. Oh, man. <laughs> so, for some reason, it took... Let's see. E.T. came out in 1982. Right. And then Mac and Me comes out in 88. It took that long. Right, right. To this one is all about, it's a product placement movie where <laughs> right. you got yeah. Coca-Cola, McDonald's, uh, Sears. Uh, it's like all, you know, just ramming it down your throat, these right. companies. Right. From what I've gathered, from what I've heard, the guy says that it's it's not a McDonald's movie, even though McDonald, you know, like Ronald McDonald does, makes the trailer. If you ever watch the trailer, it's Ronald McDonald talking to the kids out in the in the camera right. land. You know, like hey, come. he's in the movie. Yeah, and he's in the movie. Yeah, he does yeah. it in the great dance scene. Yeah. It's obvious, and, and and I've heard too that the director basically said he wanted to make an ET for his the next generation of kids. Right. And yeah, way to go, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you just you know oh, really man. dropped the fucking ball on that. Well, and I just I don't get why you would want to make a cute alien film like ET, yeah. but then make the alien all of the aliens in this film just look hideous it's got a butthole face butthole mouth yeah right it's just creepy looking so it's it's creepy looking it's dead eye but you can kind of be like oh okay but when they show the adult ones that's nightmare fodder right it is they're creepy as fuck and they do this they they can kind of flex out you know where they're stretchy scary yeah yeah because they're like they don't have genitals they don't but they're naked, you know what yeah. I mean? And it, yeah. It, it, it's disturbing. And they do this weird kind of like... Whistly, cooey thing. That Well, there's that, and then... But the way... Especially, it work, It shows more in the adults because it's actual people in rubber suits, but the way they walk, it's kind of like this... Yeah, it's like Jar Jar-y. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, it reminds me of zombies in a way. Oh, right. It reminds me of zombies. They're not. It's, it's not like falling over zombies. It's, right. I don't it, like if you were to mix like weird interpretive jazz dancing <laughs> with zombies. <laughs> that's the walk of the aliens, and it's just. I, I remember the the last time I didn't watch it again, but I saw this through the. 
Netflix Joan Ray uh, first season of uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yep, me too. Uh, yeah, and I had never seen it before. I'd always heard about it, but I'd yep. never seen it. So I watched it through that, and that's that's an enjoyable way to watch it, right. of course, because it's funny. Yep. But... Um, and even watching it through Mystery Science Theater, just watching the movie, you're taking it away from the jokes that they're making just because of how nanner-puss the movie is. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it turns out that the kid is genuinely handicapped. The kid yeah. in the wheelchair is an actual handicapped kid. And it's kind of a nice sentiment. He was like uh, the director's like, uh, you know, a representation kind of thing. We never right. get to see these kids kind of get movie. But then, you know, I feel so bad for this poor kid because he's yeah. put in such a shit pile and i think about all these people that are in this movie that are like kind of giving it their all yeah no they're not very talented right <laughs> but um they're doing that know, whole I, I, they, I feel like their hopes are getting you know are probably really high like we're, well, we're doing course. this big, big movie you know well i mean it's it's being told to the actor says this is the next et right this is the next et you're going to be in so of course your hopes are going to be like through the roof and then as you film you realize what a shit pile right. that you're working on it's i mean it's horrible yeah um it's just weird though because like you know even the whoever's doing the animatronic for the little thing too its eyes don't blink together right and then the the eyes balls are like his pupils are moving all kinds of different ways and his mouth is always moving and it's just it's just creepy yeah. It's just yeah. really It's creepy. a huge fail. A yeah. Huge fail. In every way. Like, I, I, I can't even imagine, like, getting to the end of that. And, I mean, I'm sure that there were people that were proud of maybe something that they did in the film as far as, you know, prosthetics or something like that. But it's got to be a point where you look at the footage and you just go, oh, shit. <laughs> like, oh, man. Well, and the other thing that's weird, just story-wise, is that these aliens don't have any intelligence. You know yeah. what I mean? They don't right. because they didn't come to earth like et did right you know, in the spaceship they got sucked into a nasa explorer right and then when the ship was brought back and they were going to take the samples out the thing explodes and they, they come out of it somehow mm -hmm. so they don't well you know they do have that thing that they show at least the little one i think they show it having like some telekinesis powers or something like that yeah well they do have some powers right yeah making stuff work well, and, yeah there's, I know, that, but... there's that one thing <laughs> at the end even that i mean i'm sorry but if aliens really do come to earth people are going to be shooting guns at the spaceship if there is a spaceship and if it, aliens to show up people are going to start shooting the aliens and then doing an alien autopsy and putting it on fox it's just and at the end they do this thing well, just before that though just before that though when the when they're at the grocery store right. the, the father alien grabs a gun out of a cop's hand and starts like shooting it at people <laughs> and then the, the 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 gas station explodes and it kills the little boy in the wheelchair but then they bring it back to life so that's i guess because of the fact that even though they are the ones that caused the destruction that killed the little boy they're awarded u.s citizenship now may i extend a warm congratulations you are now citizens of the United States of America. Right. For saving his life. And, and, then and they're wearing a suit and then a convertible. They're wearing, yeah, suits and, and stuff, and they drive off in a 57 Chevy. It's the fucking most bizarre thing you've ever seen. 
you could just see that like they're writing it and like okay here we need something to happen because it's been too much talking going on the aliens <laughs> have to get into um, you know, a little adventure here it's just it's awful and it's yeah. an awful execution uh the it's yeah man. all around acting yeah. writing directing right. yeah special effects but, but we're stuff. talking about special effects you yep. know certified rotten yeah all everything Ugh. yeah I mean, even the end, you can tell they're trying to do an E.T. thing where E.T. left an E.T., but our aliens are going to become citizens. It's just so awful. Yeah, all everything. It's yeah. diarrhea on celluloid. And the, f- and, and the, the, the product placement, the McDonald's stuff, feels gross. Yeah. It just the way that dance scene breaks out at the kids' party, it's highly choreographed dance scene that's not very good, but, right. I mean, it's choreographed. So... It doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense. No, no. I, I mean, you know, I'm sure McDonald's heard that this is going to be the next ET, and they're like, "Fuck yeah, we want to be a part of that." Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't want to be like M and M's were with uh, ET. We want to be like Reese's Pieces. Yeah, right, right, right. And then I'm sure once McDonald's started seeing some of the dailies come back and how the effects looked, and they were like, "Ah, oh, shit, we don't. We want to distance ourselves a bit." Yeah, I think they did after yeah. the, after the product came out. They're like, we don't we don't know anything about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like we're <laughs> in it, but we're not. We didn't help make it. It's not right. our film, kind right. of thing. All right, so that's enough of that one. <laughs> All you have to do is ask for double double cheese cheese burger burger, please. And that's no double talk. It's a good time for the great taste of double double cheese cheese burger. It's back. Just ninety nine cents. Let me ask you this question: Do you think that? considering the movies we've already talked about, the movies we will talk about, and movies that can lump into these kind of bad effects movies, do you think that some of them are bad because the effects people are taking on the job just as a job for money? Or do you think if there was more passion behind it, there might be a better result in the end? Mm, like, like as if like they're going through this and thinking... This isn't going to be good. Well, I mean, just thinking like, okay, you get like, say you're an effects company or a person over an effects company and you get the script for Mac and me and you're realizing what they're wanting, but you're thinking. It's not that cool. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, oh, well, fuck. You know, I do need the money to pay my people. Right. I guess Is it something that they're looking at it and going like, fuck, we're going to knock this out of the park with this, you know? I kind of feel like it's the latter with something like (laughs) Mac and me. (laughs) Right. They're shooting for the moon, and they probably just don't have the talent and facilities to pull it off. Right. Whereas, like, what we were talking about with Basket Case, you know, he's doing the best he can with what he's got. And I think he is passionate and trying to do well, but he can only do, you know, he's doing half, the director's doing effects by himself. Right. On some of that stuff. Uh, And then the other ones, I feel like Toxic Avenger and Reanimator and Swamp, well, I don't know about Swamp Thing. Toxic Avenger and Reanimator, I feel like there's passion there. I feel right. like, um, you know, that kind of sick and twisted need to, you know, why well, a lot of a lot of guys get into special effects is because they're into the gore. Right. And they're, they they want to make disgusting things happen and stuff like that. So, yeah, that those ones I feel are more passion-based, even if they're not done that well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, and what you're saying, too, it, it's weird how the movies you described where you think there might be a little passion behind those are ones that you're a little more endeared to you know yeah, what i mean right so there, it's a weird kind of connection there you know yeah that is true something translates through their work you know right. even though it's kind of cheesy and uh, there's still something that translates yeah right yeah, yeah that's an that is interesting to think about canon films 
the home of high-powered, high-voltage motion picture entertainment. So being that we talked about some something like trauma harping the back of something like Roger Corman, there's right. these other guys from the <laughs> 80s that yeah. owned a company called Canon. Yeah. And they got in the business and they just went wackadoodle. Yeah, they sure did. But... We're going to talk about Invaders from Mars from 1986. But, um, from the great Toby Hooper, who brought us Texas Chainsaw, Chainsaw Massacre. Massacre. Yeah, right. And, of course, the allegedly... Lee Poltergeist. Right, right. right. <laughs> I don't know why there is this fascination to, to remake things. Are you okay, Dad? But I love the original. Fine. And it was an homage kind of thing. Everything's fine now. Yeah, and I think he was writing off the success of that, and somehow the... Uh, the, the the boys from from Canon were like, well, let's throw some money at Toby Hooper here and mm-hmm. give him a, th- a three deal, uh, three movie contract kind of thing. And he's like, yeah, fuck it, let's go. Right, and I mean, who can blame them? Because he was the director of two classic horror movies, so it was a find. So anyway, uh, Invaders from Mars is a, <laughs> a remake of um, uh, an old ni- 1950s movie, and right. he stays pretty close to the source material, but um, yeah changes yeah. a few things up here and there yeah uh it's mostly about the aliens at the end there when we get to the ship or whatever and yeah uh, it's ridiculous looking yeah it's little ridiculous. meatball little yeah, meatball monsters yeah these walking meatballs <laughs> with backwards legs you know what i mean you can tell there's guys in suits that are standing backwards to the front so that their feet point to the back and their knees go the wrong way, you know? Right. And and then the back legs are just like these fake prosthetic legs that just hang off. Yeah. And it's like a big meatball with a mouth in the front of it. Yeah. It's just awful. Yeah. No, it is for sure. And and, well, my whole thing of, I saw this when I was a kid, it was on cable, not the high tier HBO Showtime tiers of cable channels. It was on like the movie channel kind of thing, but they played the shit out of this film and I watched it incessantly. And I was also a fan of the original sci-fi movie that this is a remake of, uh, mainly because of the Technicolor is gorgeous in it, Mm -hmm. but also because it's one of those cheesy sci-fi films. And so I fell in love with it and that's why I liked this. But He does a good job at the beginning of this film capturing the spirit of the original movie. But Mm -hmm. as the movie moves forward, Mm -hmm. it starts to get really bonkers. And when you see the aliens in it, it don't look good. Especially... uh, The the leader of the thing. It's like this kind of brain thing. Yeah, it looks like Krang from Ninja Turtles. Shredder! Why haven't you completed my new body? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a liver with eyes. Yeah, mouth. it's awful. Little hands, and it, yeah, when they're shooting at it, it kind of flaps up in this really like it's being pulled on strings kind of mm-hmm. way. Yeah, just, I, don't I, know. I think and, it was because you could see the strings. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So there's you know, some people kind of well. His, for me, the movie was boring when I saw it yeah. as a kid. I didn't think I never. It just didn't click with me. And, and okay. And um, you mean the original or this one? I never saw the original. I, oh, okay. Yeah, this is the only one I ever saw. So I didn't even know it was a remake until um, I saw the Canon documentary. Right. Several years ago. You know, Canon was at the time trying to beef up their output, and they had a model that they stuck to that they ended up for this film putting a little bit more money into it. And I, it seems like. Hooper used more of the money in this for the sets 
mm-hmm. instead of the monsters because yeah. the monsters just you know you just don't look great and when you're coming off of something that you want a monster to kind of look unique you're hoping that they'll be reaching for something more unique than a guy in a suit kind of thing like carpenter did and stuff mm-hmm. like that that in mind when you realize that hooper was the guy on the thing before he left and Carpenter came in, mm-hmm. it's easy to be like, woo. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Exactly. I know. Thank God. Yeah. Toby Hooper had that three three film run with Canon and it. it was, you know, it was Invaders, it was Texas Chainsaw 2, which is another out there zany film. Mm-hmm. And then it's Life Force. And so you really get to see just in those the, that little bit of time, he's working with the bigger, some of the biggest budgets outside of working with Spielberg that he mm-hmm. never got to work with. Yeah. And you see kind of where his concentration goes it's you you see the kind of filmmaker he is and i think for that guy for toby hooper in my opinion his best work came out of i don't have enough money so i got to get creative kind of Mm -hmm. thing with the original texas chainsaw because when he has the money to do whatever he wants to think up it ends up being a total shit show right right (laughs) so it was something done probably for all the wrong reasons to make a movie but nonetheless, you know, a film that does have a certain stamp on it. I don't know. I watch it every 10 years. <laughs> so the next one we're going to talk about is... Uh, this is probably going to be controversial. This, Yeah, I'm thinking it will be too. Total opinions right here. Because I think they got praised for its effects yeah. in its day. And uh, yeah. that's going to be 1981's The Howling. All right? right. Somewhere in these woods... In this primal, sensuous, secret place lies an experience too terrifying for words. The Howling. Probably why we don't like it so much is because of American Werewolf in London. Which came out when? The same fucking year. (laughs) And who did the effects? Yeah, uh, Rick Baker. Rick (laughs) Baker was actually the effects artist on The Howling, and somehow John Landis pulled him away to do... He's like, well, I'm already doing a werewolf movie. And John Landis is like, this one's better. Come over here. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he does. And uh, it's uh, Botine, the guy who does the thing, you know, that, <laughs> right. that's also the one we praised an hour ago. He's oh, doing right. this one, takes over for Rick Baker. And right. for me, it just, I don't, I don't really like it. I mean, I liked it as a kid. Because I yeah. didn't know any better. And, and and for whatever reason, I was able to see this before I saw American Werewolf in London. Okay. So just kind of like that raw child viewing perspective. You're like, ooh, werewolves, yeah. Right. You know, not yeah. seeing how terrible the movie is. Right. Um, that scene, the transformation scene where the one guy that's been kind of hunting this girl for the, yeah. the newscaster lady, and he, he does his changing and all that stuff. When I was watching it again for in preparation for the show, I'm like, wow, they are really hanging on this for a really long time. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it, yep. she could have ran out of there. Yep, sixteen different times, but <laughs> right. she—they keep flashing back to her, just making these like, yeah. "Oh my God!" Staring up right. at it, faces. I'm disgusted by what's happening. You just run away, bitch. He's in transformation. You, you know, he can barely come after you. So they, you know, 
there's like you kind of wonder in a way if that's kind of homaging the old werewolf films you know where it's just like you know George what's the matter mm, oh mm, yeah. George what's the matter mm, oh, you well know you think I mean? of the, the Lon Chaney ones it didn't take that long though it, but right. it was it was those photo changes where they right. would like you know they would take a picture of the guy you know transitional two, two, thing, fr- yeah. two or three frames of him and one yeah. thing two or three frames of the next two or three frames of the, and then until he's the animal you know right just try to lay like you were all those other yeah, really before. still Close exactly can, the yeah. same yeah right and 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 it was cool for the 40s but right um this for me just doesn't work there's one no. of the things he's doing the, the way like uh when they keep showing the hands and he keeps like wiggling his jiggling his fingers back and forth like they're and yeah. making his crack i don't know why that's this, this and when you compare it to american werewolf in london right same year same time when the the hand is stretching out in this like growing that's so gorgeous there's it's so cool such great imagination in that one yeah. too and he, i come from a completely different perspective because i saw this because i loved American, American Werewolf, Werewolf so okay. much. So mm-hmm. coming off of that and then watching this, yeah, I think you're right. They, they, I think they hang on things a little too long to let you see the trickery of it. And then mm-hmm. plus what they're hanging on just isn't that as well sculpted, I believe, you know, no. in my opinion. And the, the, the bubbling face doesn't make sense to me. Like his right. cheeks start bubbling and I'm like, well, why is it bubbling? I don't understand. Is it supposed to be bones poking out? I don't get it. Right. The, the only thing that's similar between the two is is the um, muzzle extension right. is, is done. And that's, that looks okay. That doesn't yeah. look bad on it. Right. Also, too, the fact that Rick Baker and John Landis did this whole on fours werewolf yep. go, where it runs on all fours. It was completely different. Less wolfman-ish. And... Um, I don't think it had ever been done before. You know what I right. mean? And, and and here's the here's the thing too with that too. What you're saying, how they envisioned like Landis and and Baker, how they envisioned this werewolf on all fours, big snarling beast and something. When you're a kid and someone says a guy turns into a, a wolf, mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Like this big, huge, scary looking beast, still on all fours. Right. But like somewhere in between. it's somewhere in between human and dog yeah right right no that's cool and and that's the other thing too is the ears the ears the, the when you look at the difference between the ears between the two werewolves american werewolf london and yeah and, and um the howling the ears just kind of on on the howling they just kind of point out of his head and it's way out like rabbits it does <laughs> and it, yeah they look like bunny rabbits but they also just the way they form it doesn't seem like it's his ears transforming. Right. It seems like his ears are disappearing and wolf ears are growing. Right. Well, they're more rabbit ears are coming out of his head. I don't right. get that. Yeah, I don't I don't get it either. And I don't know what it is, but this movie just doesn't seem to embody the animalistic quality of an, a wolf. They're just way too... Um, wolf man. He's more of a wolf man. Yeah, yeah and maybe... He's shedding his skin or whatever. Like if they're looking for guidance on like how should we do the ears or something like that, it just seems like their direction was like whatever, just make him a, a werewolf. Right. Whereas there's more specifications on like no, we want to see what happens to this joint and that joint in mm-hmm. American Werewolf. You know. Right. With this, when this, when the spine pops up is. His back, it's amazing, yeah. Right. And they do that kind of dog body thing where he's on his back and then he rolls over. Yeah, it's so, right. so badass. 
and so you know it's so weird to see that okay you, you don't know where exactly Botin came into this exactly and mm -hmm. what he had to take over and what designs he had to maybe redo or just follow directions or whatever but when you see what he did in in the howling and then you see what happens with his imagination when he's said i don't know what the thing looks like do whatever you want yeah and where his imagination could go and all that stuff. You just, you, you see, it seems like you see a mind in a cage and then a mind let out of a cage. Right, you know? yeah. Because I mean, that's a year later. It's the next, it's basically his next project is the, right. the thing. So in the, the other the other big weird fail for me is when um, <laughs> the the woman herself because like, she's bitten and mm -hmm. she's a news she's a newscaster yeah. a journalist a television journalist mm -hmm. she changes oh, to expose the whole thing she she transforms on on TV yes tonight I'm gonna sh show you something make you believe. And the end result, to me, she looks like a were Shih Tzu. She doesn't look like a werewolf. You know what I mean? And it's like it's very unthreatening. They over-feminized. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which is weird because the woman who changes in the other one is more of a yeah. werewolf. You know, yeah. the the sexy one that her husband cheats on her with. Yeah, that is weird too. And that's the last shot you see of the movie yeah. too: is the woman changing. And that, and I remember even as a kid when I got finally got to see the movie, thinking like, "Oh, really? That's it? Like, <laughs> that's what it is?" Yeah, and it, it looks... just really let down as a kid. And then, you know, of course, rewatching. I rewatched it again because I have this thing where around Halloween I just like to go back to movies that either I didn't get to see or or I haven't seen in a long time. And this was one of those ones that I saw maybe two years ago or something like that. Mm -hmm. And thinking like, man, it still just does not hit a chord with me. I just <laughs> don't get it right. i don't get the praise on it but no whatever so send in the hate mail y'all <laughs> but uh most of you guys are probably too young to have ever seen it there's something howling before okay sure somebody's dog not like any dog i ever heard so do you think it's the the effects that are bad or is it that they're used badly um i don't know like it's weird to it's hard to say with stuff like that because even if you're listening to john carpenter in the the commentary for the thing he's talking about how when you see the effect of that guy who'd slit his neck all the way open to where mm -hmm. it almost was decapitated yeah he said it in real life it looked like, oh my God, how are we gonna make this look good? Like he he was going on about how bad he thought it was gonna come off on film. He's like, but by the time that uh, Rob Botin started putting, you know, the makeup and the dripping effects and making it look certain ways, he's like, but what really brought it to life was when Dean Cundy came in and started lighting it. Okay, right. we need to put this drop of light here so it exposes this part but not that part and accentuates this and not that. And so it's always hard to know on these films, like if bad effects come off, if they're lit a little differently, maybe mm -hmm. they'll come off a little more real. Or like or we talked like about that. earlier where the camera stays on it a little too long. Right. Because anytime exactly. the camera stays on prosthetics too long, it, you can start to pick apart. Yeah, that's what you, you do. You can start you, to focus in on stuff. Yeah, right. you do that even with CG. You, yeah. you hang on CG too long. You yeah, start, that's oh, true. wow, look, that's a cartoon. 
Yeah, I think it just depends on the situation. Right. But talk about a movie. Now, if we transition into a movie that definitely had the budget. Right. Because it has two sequels be- before it. Right. That makes a fuck ton of money. Yeah, one of them invents the summer blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. But this one. <laughs> two films later, it's yeah. Jaws 3D. Right. 1983. Overman was killed inside the park. The baby was caught inside the park. Its mother is inside the park. So, and again for the younger listeners, um, there's been three waves of 3D movies. So, right. um, the original one started in the 1950s right. with a lot of horror films being made in, in, in uh, 3D and all that stuff. And then it just went out of vogue pretty much by the 60s. And uh, It was a gimmick. I mean, it's it obviously a, it a gimmick. A, yeah, right. And people get tired of gimmicks after a while. Exactly. And, and, and then it... it um, made a it did in the early 80s had a comeback and then it was used you know in movies like this again it was horror movies again uh where right it came and went just you know within a few years it was out of fashion again and then of course in the early 2000s we had a a, a revitalization of that or I should say late 2000s early t- 2010s right yeah and yeah. it got big and then we had the 3D TVs came out and all that stuff and uh, then <laughs> it went into the trash again. Right, right. Yeah, Avatar does it best as far as right. te- technically, but yeah, depth and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. but um, it becomes it, it, like you said, it's a gimmick and it falls yeah. out. And in this movie, it's so <laughs> bad. It's so bad. Well, so I do want to point out here that this movie begins what will go on to be a great reunion in Enemy Mind yeah. just a few years later between Dennis Quaid and Louis Gossett Jr. A great movie. You know something, Jerry? Your great schisma eat shit. <laughs> Your Mickey Mouse is one big stupid dump. That has really good makeup effects. <laughs> yeah, I never even thought of that. That's funny that you... <laughs> Which is, that is a good movie, yeah. And, oh, man, uh, just seeing, you know, because I like Dennis Quaid, you yeah, know? Yeah, me and too. He's done, he's done a lot of good stuff, mm-hmm. but um, outside of Dragonheart. But, um, <laughs> yes. I just, when I see him in the clips, again, I didn't, I've never seen this movie. I've only watched clips of it oh, for, okay. for in preparation for this. This is another one. Yeah. Uh, Cable all the time, watched it a million times as a kid. I saw this before I saw the original. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I see yeah. Dennis Quaid in this, and I, I feel really bad for him. <laughs> right, right. I mean, the the worst scene is the end, basically. <laughs> where it's like this, they're at SeaWorld. This one takes place in SeaWorld, and, and there's this underwater station where the control room where, you know, four of the people, or there's probably more than four because some bodies go flying around right? that don't have faces. But, um... So there's a big window uh, in this control room that looks into the underwater thing and the shark is coming at it. And it's so dead looking and it's just like, it's almost like it's a frozen picture of it and they're zooming it (laughs) into the frame 
to make it right. bigger, kind of like the way the Enterprise does in the original Star Trek entries. You know, and it's right. just past the camera. Right. It's it's not moving, and it's just and it's like it like the tail's barely going back and forth, and it's kind of angle of movement is way off too, because it's it's like a it's like a three one a front quarter shot of it, but it's moving straight towards the screen. Anyway, it hits right. the glass and breaks it open, and when it hits the glass, it just I can't I can't even put into words how terribly done it is, you know. Not to mention the slow-mo that follows. Yeah, then right, they they <laughs> well, even while the, while it's coming at them, they keep flashing at the individual actors' faces right. going and they're going yeah, and even then, with the, you know, they the water comes splashing into their set, and they're like flying around, flailing around in the water. But right. the whole thing gets submerged, and yet this shark is like swimming in, trying to eat everybody, you know. And and they keep kind of doing this under underneath shot of it with its tail flagging, you know, like right. trying to get deeper into the. And that's all stop motion. Yeah. Yeah. And when they do blow it up, there's a, you know, like a grenade in a guy's hand that and they already ate, you know, it's just barely sticking out. And, and someone pulls the cord and it explodes. It's this big red cloud. And then really <laughs> superimposed chunks of interior parts, the shark and the jawbones come flying out. That's the 3D parts. Right. It's so bad. It's, yeah. It's bad. It's taking the look of the shark that they used, Bruce, from the first film, which that director, Steven Spielberg, you might have heard of him, he, <laughs> he's smart to not stay on it. Because he knew it wasn't going to look good. He, 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 it was a failed special effect. Yeah, he looked at that shark and said, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, right, because he was supposed to expose it a lot more. Right. And when he saw how bad it came out, he was like, oh, shit, now I'm going to have to do this. Right. Show it as least as possible, make it a th- And it works better. Right. That way. Because it builds tension and your yeah. imagination goes, right? Yeah. And so what this, what the ongoing sequels have an issue with was aside from making it growl. (laughs) (laughs) It's bananas. And so as the sequels go on, the, I I don't know if it's studio notes that these directors are getting or what, but it's just like, no, no, you need to show the shark way, way more. Like everyone wants to see, everyone wants to see shark, shark, Yet they hadn't improved Bruce or whatever, barely. Right. If they, if it's a different piece, it doesn't look much better than the one you see at the Universal's tour. You know exactly. When, you know, it looks the same. And so, as they go on, the more you see it, of course, the 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 worse it looks. And yeah. that's why I mean, not that's not the only reason because the, the scripts aren't any better. Right. So right. Right. you're looking at a bad script with a bad effect that you you've seen what, by this movie like twice before. Right. So it's just building on bad foundation. <laughs> right. And, and the something, too, with the 3D in this, uh, everything that they're showing in 3D is blue screened in. So it, it doesn't mesh. Mm-hmm with it like those parts with the, the exploding shark thing and yeah. you can tell that 
they're not really there they were added in after the fact you know because they have that really dark black outlines on them and the way they're <laughs> and they're jumping they're kind of like missing a few frames as they're spinning oh, around and wow. it just looks it looks awful right yeah. I did not rewatch this one for this particular one because, as, as I said, as a kid, this played all the time on cable. I watched the fuck out of this, and I loved it. Right. And so I saw this before I saw any of the other ones. And uh, you know, as I got older, then I saw the, the the original one, which I still think is almost a perfect movie. So. Yeah, yeah, it is. Right. So... Whereas by the fourth one, the shark is a serial killer who has a grudge against the Brody family, and it's hunting down right. the in- right. It's yeah, bananas. It's reincarnated. Jaws the revenge. That's Jaws yes. four. Uh, you know. Hey, well at least uh, Michael Caine got a paycheck out of it. <laughs> he sure did. Good for him. I think his I think his exact quote on Jaws 4 was I never got to see the movie but I saw the house it built. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Meaning he didn't care. <laughs> yeah. But um well, let me ask you this. How is it that a sequel to a huge movie with a big budget can have bad effects like this? Mm. Or are we just looking at it at a time? Maybe back then, you know, in the 83, people were like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's possible. I don't think so, though. Because mm. it bombed, right? Um, it wasn't a successful movie. No, 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 no. It, I mean, it didn't do as well as the originals, but it had like an, I think, an 18 to $20 million budget and ended up making somewhere around like $88 million worldwide. So it was it was a hit, just not as big of a hit as the previous ones. Yeah. So, right. Well, yeah. I think what what's going on is 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 they're also trying to up the ante, mm-hmm. and obviously Steven Spielberg's not coming back, so right. the quality is starting to go down, and directors and production, and it's more it's probably they're trying to get them out fast mm-hmm. and, and and in time for summer blockbuster mm-hmm. well, again. And this <laughs> also too, you got to wonder if the producers of Jaws three saw the success a year before in 1982 of Friday the 13th Part 3, which was in 3D, and then maybe more last minute than anything, they started throwing the 3D aspect at Jaws 3, thinking, oh, we could make a quick buck, and this is a new sensation, and so we'll throw all of these new little gags and gimmicks and all of this stuff at it, and that might have started to derail it a bit. Yeah, and and of course, you know, probably throwing the 3D in at the last minute would would, um, just throw a monkey wrench into everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Changed the whole film. Yep. Unless it was planned that way all along. Yeah. We don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. You know, I'm just saying if that's it at the last minute, if you already have a script that's kind of on a crutch anyway, and then you throw something like 3D because in it. We, we know in the late 2000s, early 2010s that that was happening quite a bit where yeah. they're like, oh shit, we got to make this 3D. We better. And then you, it, you're like, well, why? You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, but they're just trying to. You can tell the movie was never intended to be a 3D movie, right? right? Yeah, and that was an epidemic in the 2000s and 2010s. And so it's possible that this shit was happening in the 80s too. Oh, I'm sure. I'm mm-hmm. sure that there was stuff. Not not knowing nothing about the making of this film, I'm just spitballing. Uh, 
you know, a possibility of what could have happened. Either way, it doesn't matter. If this was the script they were going to film, it was not going to be good. And if that's the shark they're going to use and stay on it that long, mm-hmm. it wasn't going to be, it's just not going to be good. Right. <laughs> All you're seeing in 3D is a really bad effect. Right. <laughs> so, basically, I think that's it. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And I mean, I didn't want it to be a total bag fest on this show. I mean, we, we just wanted to pick, well, I mean, Mac and me kind of deserved it. But other than that, <laughs> yeah. some of these were kind of fun to do and point at. And it was a good opportunity end of the spectrum of our The Thing show because we gloated on the effects of that so well that I wanted to do something to kind of counteract that and show also what was bad out there around some of these around the same times. But I got caught up in some of the nostalgia too and ended up feeling endeared to stuff like Swamp Thing watching that because I loved it as a kid and even though some of that shit is bad in there, I found a lot of fun in re-watching yeah. it. And I felt that way about Basket Case for sure. And that's probably because of my nostalgic memories I had watching it with my sister and, and just kind of la- laughing at the ridiculousness of it. Because mm-hmm. I do remember like a few weeks or a few months later, we were like, well, now we have to watch Basket Case 1. So we went <laughs> right. out and rented that, you know, and watched them back. You had to see how the journey began. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not knowing it was going to be so much different, you know, where right. he's, he's way younger. And, his, and that's the funny part is he's way younger and his hair, you know, they put like right. a wig on him in the beginning of basket case too but right. he's, he's obviously matured and gained a lot of weight you know right but it's supposed to be like the next day <laughs> as as a basket case starts two starts but yeah I, I i kind of enjoy that one and uh but we're none of these other ones i really really cared about too much to- toxic avenger i could get, i could live with or without it was okay right yeah well re-watching it for this i definitely could I could, not that I could tap into the nostalgia of loving the movie, but I could tap into my memories of watching it watching and being it like, and wow, you know. Right on, man. Well, hope you enjoyed the shit. Oh, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Mighty fine indeed. Indeed. Yes. So we do hope that you enjoyed the show, and we do have questions that we asked throughout the show. Mm-hmm. Enjoy them and then answer them. And if you liked everything we said, give us some feedback. If you didn't like what we said, then keep that to yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. Go to hell. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Nothing but love. We love you guys. Mm-hmm. We love you guys. Yes, sir. That's why we, we sit here and we make sweet love to these microphones. Just for you people out there. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, on that note, let's uh, end this transmission and uh, head off Yes. to the galaxy far, far away. Ooh, that's copyright, buddy. Stop that. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. And good luck. <laughs>